Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. It is such a joy to be here. I, I don't know if you know this, and, and maybe you haven't. How many of you have been at Milestone Church for five years or longer? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you 10 years or longer? Raise your hand. Okay. How many have ever heard me speak before? Raise your hand. How many of you, it was very unremarkable? Don't do that. <laughs> I, I am so excited about what God is doing here. And over the course of the years, my beautiful wife, Michelle, will be in the next service, and I have been partnered with many pastors. But there have been a handful that we felt divinely called to walk with for almost 30 years. And Pastor Jeff and Brandy are two of those. And we are so grateful. When I look and see what God has done here, and I remember not only, this is, this is Taco Casa was the move up. That was, that was I made him move behind Taco Casa. So he couldn't forget his roots. But I, when, when Milestone Church began, and it was a dream in Pastor Jeff and Brandy's heart, it, it was a privilege for Pastor Steve and Jennifer Robinson, who I'm, I'm Steve's pastor, for, for us to partner. We were the two churches that financially supported this church beginning. And I don't know that there's any greater seed we have ever invested in anything than in Milestone Church and your pastors. And I, I want to tell you, I, Pastor Jeff, if, if I had one day left on earth, I'd want to spend half of it with Jeff Little. And I want to tell you why. I know a lot of pastors. I've been preaching for almost 50 years. But Pastor Jeff and Brandy Little have one of the greatest marriages of any couple I know in the world. Now, let me tell you why that's important. Because there's a lot of us that have learned to be successful, and by doing so, we won at the wrong things. If you win at being an entrepreneur and you lose at marriage and family, you won at the wrong thing. If you win at being well-known and highly liked by many people, but you're still not the most famous person when you walk in the doors of your house, you've won at the wrong thing. And I want to tell you about your pastor. He won at the right thing. And this church is an overflow in this team of what God has done in he and Brandy's life, marriage, and family. Let's give them a big hand because of how much we love them and appreciate them. I know that as y'all move into this new building, I'm gonna be here. I was here when they opened up on the first Sunday and I'm going to be here when y'all open up in August, this first new, the next phase. I know that they need over 500 more Dream Teamers to prepare for the great harvest that's coming. The harvest is coming. How many of you know the world is dark? I'm not just talking about my people coming over. I mean, the world is dark. But the darker that it gets, the brighter the light of Jesus Christ shines. And y'all are opening up the door so y'all can be moving ready when God sends literally hundreds of people to be born again, lives to be changed, transformed, marriages to be restored, children to restore back to their mom and dad. I, uh, I was on the phone with the father this morning 
from our church whose, whose daughter was drunk and had a wreck last night. And this very affluent family never imagined. He just said this. He said, Pastor, I, I never imagined I'd be going to pick up my daughter at jail. Aren't you grateful that the local church is the hope of the world and enduring a great one that's affecting all of this region? You can clap if you agree with that. Now, what I'm going to share today is, is, is kind of heavy. It, it, it's kind of heavy. So I want to begin by saying, aren't you grateful for the grace of God? Okay. Because the grace of God finds you where it finds you. For some of you, the grace of God led you to be raised in a great Christian family. And a mom and dad that loved each other. And grandparents that were supportive. And a great spiritual family in a church. And, and, and that was your experience. And that hedged you away from a lot of life-destructive behavior and terrible decisions. If you had that kind of upbringing, thank God. Come on, let's thank God for the grace of God that you were planted in the church and raised in a great family. But then there's some of you like me who, who the grace of God finds you in a different place in your life. And, and maybe you, you came from a very, very broken past and, and, and a very broken family. And maybe you've been through one or two or three relationships or marriages and now the grace of God finds you where you are. Maybe you're single. And, and because of your past experience, you don't ever want to be in a marriage relationship again. Can I say on behalf of the godly men, don't blame godly men for everything an ungodly man did to you. I'm giving Father's Day a little Father's Day gift before Father's Day. And so the grace of God finds us where it finds us. And aren't you grateful that we serve a God who can take us regardless of where he finds us? And he's the only person that can take broken things and make them better than they were before, even in the very beginning. How many of you are thankful for Romans 8, 28? And we know that all things, all things, like I, I don't know about you, but I've done some things I don't want anybody to know about. Has anybody done that? Raise your hand. If you've done things you don't want anybody to know about, raise your hand. Could you tell us about it this morning? <laughs> you, you know what I love about God? You, you know, when you meet people, like your greatest fear is if they really knew who I was. Like if they knew the worst of me, they, they really wouldn't, probably wouldn't like me. Just think about that. If someone knew the worst of you, how would they look at you then? You know what's so amazing about God? He's the only one that knows the worst of me, and he is still the one who loves me the most. I don't know how old you are, but if you're married today, your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren are counting on your marriage working. They're counting on your marriage working. The, the, the Broussard campus where we first started in Outside Lafayette, a small community, businessman bought us this property and gave it to us. In the middle of the property is a 300-year-old tree. It's now about 325 years old. I, I wish that tree could talk. It, it's such a historic tree that we actually built all of our buildings all the way around this tree. And I think this tree talks because the only person I think persons that can understand it is children. 
because every child that comes to that tree wants to climb on it and jump on it. And children, you just get them close to this tree and they start running. Pictures are taken in front of that tree. The first officer killed in our region in 49 years on the job has a memorial there. He was led to Christ at our church, delivered from alcohol six months before he was killed. And there's a memorial there for him at that tree. Your marriage is that tree. And your children are going to sit under it. And your grandchildren are going to sit under it. And your great-grandchildren are going to sit under it. And if you do it right, it's going to be a picture of people and what they desire in the future for themselves. So today, I want us to peek into the first wedding that ever transpired. God officiated it. It is in Genesis chapter 2. And here's what it says. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I'll make a helper who's just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild beasts and all the birds of the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. And he gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and to the wild animals. But still there was no helper found just right for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and he closed up its opening. And the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. And the man said, at last, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of a man. This explains why a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two are to unite as one just as they were before he removed her from him. Now the man and his wife were both naked with no shame. Now let me ask you a question before I get into this passage. Have you ever thought about all the meaningless things that you've memorized in your lifetime? Like the meaningless things. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Does it really matter if you know what the capital of Iowa is? Does it really matter if Kansas City is the capital of part of Kansas? Or what you, does any of that really matter? Does this matter? You put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, you do the, and you turn it off. Like who came up with that? Like that torments you at night. You're sitting there laying in bed trying to go, but you put your right foot in. You put... I mean, and then there's rap music. How you like me now? Go teeth and a smile. Trying to take me out to the ghetto, but I'm still buck. I mean, how do I even know that? Think of all the things that you know about that you could actually have a degree in that you know so much about that are just meaningless. I have two degrees. I have one degree in knowing God and I have another degree in knowing Michelle Marie Aranza. Both of those don't hang on the wall, they hang on my heart. And how I know God and Michelle Aranza will determine my life, peace, and joy, and destiny here on earth and in heaven, and the life and destiny of my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. Those are the things 
that truly matter. They're the things that truly matter. And maybe if you inherited an amazing legacy in marriage, you, you don't realize how blessed, you don't realize how blessed that you are. Do you remember when you first fell in love? How many remember when you fell in love? Do you know that the brain examined literally under love is like it's on cocaine? Yes, you were on drugs when you fell in love. Do you remember, how many of you are old enough to remember when phones had a cord attached to them? How many of you have ever fallen asleep? Those of you who were in the cord group, how many of you remember, have ever fallen asleep talking to the person you love? Remember, you were so excited, you'd drive five hours after working all day long just to spend an hour with them and then to turn around and to go back. It, it was like falling in love is effortless. But how many of you know marriage is like a sober living house? If falling in love is like drugs, getting married is like a treatment center. Do you know how easy it is to get married? I mean, I, I live in Louisiana. I'm originally from, from Texas, from Houston, but, but, but I, I live in Louisiana, and in Louisiana, everybody hunts. That's why we adopted Pastor Jeff as an official Cajun many years ago. And do, do you know, to get a hunting license in Louisiana, you gotta take three weekends off, go to a course, they teach you how to hold a shotgun, shoot a shotgun, all, all of the rules of gun safety. Maybe you've been doing it all your life, but you still have to go through that to get a hunting license. Do you know what you have to do to get a driver's license? Go through six weeks with someone right beside you with the steering wheel as well, driving around, while you back into people and things all over and people drive by swearing and yelling at you. Do you know what you have to do to get married? Show up at the courthouse with someone hopefully breathing. <laughs> I, I, I'm probably the least qualified person in the whole world to even be giving this talk. My father was married five times. The woman he married after my mother had been married three times. The woman after her had been married three times. The woman after married her had been married two times. And I finally married him when he was in his 70s to his fifth wife when I knew in his walker he couldn't run away from her. It's a true story. Out of my siblings, all of them have been through multiple relationships. I have four sisters, got pregnant 13, 14, and 15. My brother was married a couple of times. My my. My grandfather was immoral to the last years of his life when he gave his life to Christ and preached for four or five years. And my great-grandfather ran off with Pancho Villa in Mexico and left his family. So when I look at that big oak tree, it's not anything I want my kids to climb on. It's not anything I want my grandchildren to sit under or take a picture of what their future could be. And do you know why most of those relationships broke? Number one, because they weren't built on something that wouldn't break what everything else in life did, the word of God. But it's because they didn't understand the purpose of marriage. Well, what is the purpose of marriage? Someone said, if you don't know the purpose of something, you always abuse it. How many have ever used a shoe for a hammer? 
Then afterwards, you needed a hammer and a painter. Anything you don't understand the purpose of, you abuse. So what is the purpose of marriage? How many of you have been married a long time? Raise your hand. How many of you haven't, but it seems like a long time? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) What is the purpose of marriage? The purpose of marriage is, is that God loved your mate so much that he gave them to you to show them how much he loved them through you. God loved your mate so much that he gave them to you so that he could show them how much he loved them via you. So when people come to me in marriage and they go, Pastor, I'm just not happy. I'm just not in love anymore. Don't you think I need to get divorced? I go, no. Yeah, but I told you I'm not in love. I understand. Well, do you think I deserve to be in love? Absolutely. Well, then why, why, why can't I get divorced? Because when love is not flowing through you, it's not always because of the other person. Most of the time it's because you're not connected to the person who is the author and the source of all love. That's where it all begins. So today, I want to give you four pillars of how to build love for a lifetime. How to build love for a lifetime. Number one, play together. Say that with me, play together. Life is far too serious and way too hard to not enjoy laughing with your mate. Don't tell them, but sometimes laughing at your mate. God gave us each other for fun. Your real BFF is not the girl you went to school with or the guy that you love to fish or hunt with. Your real BFF is the woman that shares your last name and lays beside you every night and has stretch marks on her body because of you. We all, all, all gravitate to fun and pleasure from pain and problems. And if in your relationship, all you're bringing up is pain and problems, don't be surprised if they gravitate away from you. Proverbs 17, says, a cheerful, joyful heart brings healing to both body and soul. But the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression. Proverbs 17, says, a happy heart is like Good medicine and a joyful mind causes healing, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. How many of your marriages need some medicine today? Life will make you cry together. You better work at laughing together. Secondly, men, this is your early Father's Day present. Lay together. Can I get a witness? Somewhere. Great relationships have great passion. They have great passion. Thank you, sir. God bless you. And may you be rewarded tonight. (laughs) Be it to you according to your faith. (laughs) Ephesians 4.26 says this, but don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to, and don't let anger control you or be a fuel for revenge, not even for a day. 
The New Living Translation says it like this. And don't sin by letting your anger control you. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to who? Listen. Conflict is inevitable with anyone that you know. Let me share something with you. If you've never had conflict with someone, you don't know them and they don't know you. But conflict resolved God's way doesn't create isolation. You see, the enemy's plan is to create isolation when you have conflict. Because when you're isolated, you speak to your three worst counselors, me, myself, and I. How many of you have ever gone to bed angry? Raise your hand. I heard a man on TV who had been married 50 years, and they interviewed him, and they said, have you ever gone to bed angry with your wife? He said, no. I was looking at him. He goes, but one time I did stay up for three weeks in a row. <laughs> that encouraged me. The enemy is called the accuser. And when you allow isolation to create separation, you give a separation for an ear and a gap to the enemy who steps right in. Can you believe that they did that to you? Let me tell you something. You know that guy in high school that you met? He was a nerd. He always wanted to date you. Now he's a doctor. And here you are married to a Walmart security guard. Let me tell you something. And you start hearing lies. Men, we start hearing lies. We start hearing lies. You know, when you walk in, people notice you. And if they may listen, with the stuff you have right now, the way that you've worked and the way you've done what you've done with yourself, nobody can leave with you. Have you seen that? She looks at you and goes, man, nobody's done with themselves what you've done with yourself. She really likes you. Isn't it interesting that the enemy only accuses the people that want something negative or positive for you? He never accuses nasty Nicky or drunk Donald. It's only the people that can help you. Do you know that one survey revealed that half of marriages that ended in divorce ended out of boredom? Listen, anybody can be passionate when you're dating. It's work and discipline when you're married. Do you know how much it costs you to write a note to say, baby, thank you for all that you do for our home? Thank you for the mom you are. Thank you for the lover the best. Do you know how much that costs? It costs selflessness and dying to yourself and thinking about someone besides you. Let me give you a little marriage secret. Your marriage lives to the degree that you die to yourself. That you die to yourself. What happens when we hurt each other? We either withdraw or if we do it God's way, we'll draw close will share our heart and recognize that conflict resolved God's way creates intimacy, which is into me, see. That, that hurt me. Baby, I didn't mean that. I didn't, how, how many of you have ever hurt your mate and you didn't mean to? Some of you are afraid to raise your hand. <laughs> years ago, Michelle had thyroid cancer 15 years ago, and she's fine. Uh, but, but she had to get this thyroid replacement. Medicine. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and so she has to take this in the middle of the night. You can't take it within four hours of eating. So in the middle of the night, she'll get up and she has that. And so about six months ago, I realized that every night she's getting up and she's got this bottle of water and it can sometimes be hard to open. And, and you know, you're opening up this medicine thing, but you got to push down like that and open, you know, because it's childproof. It's almost human proof. And and I thought, you know what I'm going to do? 
I don't want her to get up in the night and do that. So before I went to bed, I'd go and I'd open up the water and I'd pull the thing back. And But six weeks later, she's going, man, I feel terrible. I said, why do you feel terrible? She goes, I, I feel like I'm not taking my thyroid medicine, but every time I go, it's open and the water bottle is open. And then she looked at me and goes, are you opening up the water and opening up the medicine? I'm like, I could be. I'm asleep. I thought I was actually doing something to help her that was actually hurting her. Hurting her. Conflict resolved correctly creates intimacy. Here's the third one. Pray together. Pray together. Do, do you know the statistics on marriage? If a hundred couples get married, you know how many get, end up getting divorced? 50%. Second marriage is 60, third, 70. Now, how would you like to divorce proof your marriage? Okay, what do the rest of you <laughs> want to do? I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I'll tell you after you give me. Okay. 50% of marriages into divorce. But what if I told you there was something you could do that would take you out of 50% to being one out of 1,200 getting divorced? One out of every 1,200 couples versus 50%. There is. Harvard did a study and discovered that the people who had a statistic of one out of every 1,200 got divorced began with one single factor, their spiritual lives. They prayed together regularly, read their Bible together regularly, and attended church regularly. Those three things took them from 50% of those getting divorced to one out of every 1,200 why is that so significant? Why is prayer so significant? And I want to speak to men just a moment because here's what happens with men. Men go, Pastor, I mean, I mean, just, I don't, I don't know. I'm not like that good at prayer. I mean, just, I don't know. Has she heard you cuss? D don't say amen, lady. I'm just saying. <laughs> Has she seen you angry and heard you say things? Why is it that prayer is such a big deal? Can I tell you why, men? Because most of us gravitate away from what we're not good at. That's why. So in our area, 99% of the people are Catholic. There's actually more Catholic people on church rolls than inhabitants of my city. That's how Catholic we are. How many of you raised Catholic? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you know the prayer that's commonly prayed, not only by Catholics, but also by Protestants, called the Our Father? Our Father who? Hallowed be thy, thy kingdom, thy will be. Okay, you passed the test, you know it. Can I share something with you? I mean, listen carefully to me. I don't care if all you pray is you take your wife by the hand and you just pray in our Father together. You say, Pastor, is it the words? No, it's not the words. It's who you invite in. As pastors, we get invited all the time to people. So I've never been to anybody's home for dinner when they had an argument in the middle of us started cussing at each other. 
Do you know why? Because they'd never do that in front of their pastor. When you commit to praying daily, even if it's just an our father before you go to bed, it hedges you from things you would say, things you would normally do, uh, bitterness and unforgiveness that you would hold on to in your heart because it's real hard to be angry with somebody you know you got to pray with every night before you go to bed. It's whose presence you invite in. Prayer invites the presence of God. Prayer causes you to have a shield in your heart, a Teflon shield to forgive versus holding on to it because holding on always brings indifference and it always brings separation. Do you know in every study ever done on what causes divorce, what the final stage of the relationship is? Everyone, indifference. And you know where indifference comes from? You get hurt, you hold on to unforgiveness, Unforgiveness becomes resentment. You know what the word resent means? To relive. You just, yep, yeah, did that to me. I, mean, I can't believe that. Every time I think about that, I think you relive it. And then the final stage is indifference. It's indifference. If you know that you have to pray with your mate every night, you learn I can't hold on to this because it will hinder me from a practice that we're establishing in our life of reading God's word together, going to the house of God together, and praying together. And here's the final one. Stay together. Say that with me. Stay together. I know that Many of our generation are very creative now in their vows, and, and I think that's awesome if, if that's like you feel that, you know? And, and there's all kinds of different ways of saying that, from the very sincere to just people who work a whole lot more at what you say than actually what it means. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you ever been to one of those weddings? When I saw you walk across the room and I smelled the fragrance in the air, I knew it was you. At the heart, at the heart of marriage must be the foundation of these words regardless of where they find you. In sickness and in for richer or for leaving all others and clinging only to you till which ultimately says, I'd rather die than live without you. And of course, there's rare exception, adultery and abuse. But that I'd rather die than live without you. Marriage doesn't get better until it gets longer. Duration brings appreciation. Duration brings appreciation. You know what my definition of great is? You know, I have teenagers, so I mean, everything was, you know, that's awesome, that's wow, that's great, that's gnarly, that's amazing, that's cold, that's hot, that's, you know, if you've been a parent. I've discovered that great is being good for a long time, and good is being great for a short time. I want to be a good husband for a long. I want to be a good daddy for a long time. I want to be a good listener for a long time. I want to be a good pastor for a long time. I want to be a good Christian for a long 
time, a long time. I know that you look and someone like me and you say, you're here, Pastor, because you've obviously fleshed some of that out. I'd like to show you my family if I could. Um, this, this is my family. Um, on the right is Jacob Jr. He's a professional munition, uh, musician in Nashville. He's still building his testimony. We went through a season where he didn't talk to us for two years, but he now calls us three to five times a day. We're kind of thinking about him not calling so much anymore. Next to him is Joseph. Joseph is 31. It's his wife right in front of him. Her name is Rochelle. And of course, I'm going uh, right to left. They have our grandson, John Wesley, um, Joseph is in a three-year transition with me to take over our largest campus. This is a campus of about 3,000. The girl in the middle is our daughter, Amberly Grace. She's African-American. Her mother walked up to my wife and gave her to us at the front of the church at the altar when she was four and a half years old. She walked up and said, Miss Michelle, I can't do this anymore. And knew because she couldn't give her the life she wanted because of her circumstances and all that she was going through. She gave Amberly to us. Amberly is now 22 years old and on our mission staff and a true woman of God. Folks in the middle are my nephew and my niece. He's a physician. She's a physician's assistant. The good-looking Mexican guy in the back. <laughs> the blonde-headed babe right there is my Cajun princess of 41 years and 133 days. Right beside her is Christian. Christian is a pastor in Tomball, Texas, planted Valley Rise Church, and that's his beautiful wife, Alex. And then my son on the far left, his name is Timothy Haddon. He is Holy Ghost, fire-breathing, preaching man of God. Now, let me tell you who's not there. My 20 year old son Wesley was killed seven years ago he was riding a motorcycle and a lady pulled out of a theater and didn't see him and ran over him and it led our family through a really dark time I lost my wife for three and a half years three and a half years for three and a half years it was like when the police knocked at the door with the driver's license saying, are you the father of Wesley Aranza? My son on the far left, he had ACL surgery that morning. He was a quarterback at the top high school in our area. And his life went into a death spiral. Until at 20, Jesus raised him from the dead and made him a man of God. Well, why are you saying all of this, Pastor? Because if you want to be that tree, some storms are coming. Because if you want to be that oak, some storms are coming. But when you build your life in the house of God, on the word of God, with the people of God. Louisiana is famous for hurricanes. You know how many hurricanes that 325-year-old tree stood through? When you build your life standing on this word, 
and you plant yourself in the house of God, you build an unshakable foundation for your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren. Even if you're starting a legacy like me and Michelle. Christian was getting married and he went around looking and he came and he said, uh, he said, Daddy, would you go with me to find a wedding ring? I said, sure. So we look all over and finally he looks around and he goes, uh, Dad, could I see your ring? I pulled my ring off. He said, where'd you get that ring? I said, well, I was in Waco, Texas and the church there where I was the youth pastor and, and when I got engaged, a, a jeweler was there and and he asked me how much money I had, and I told him $300, so he said, I'm gonna make you a ring. He said, well, Daddy, it's worked pretty good for you for 30 years. Could, could, could I get one made like that? And I gave him my ring. The only days I've been without this ring on my finger. Until seven years ago, when Joseph got married, and he came to me, he said, Daddy, could, could I have a ring like your ring and like Christian's ring. Look at me, church. It doesn't matter where you are. There is a God that loves you. It can take the brokenness of your life and create a brand new legacy that you only dreamed of, not without storms, not without problems, not without loss, but with a foundation that is unwavering and unmoving that will give your legacy something to stand on. I'm going to close in prayer. I've gone over. I want every man to take his wife by the hand right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every marriage here, every family, regardless of where they find themselves. Maybe it's a second marriage. Maybe it's a third, whatever it is. And then for every single person here that a dream of what you can do in their lives would begin to be manifested so that the grace of God is revealed to them so that they can become oaks of righteousness and build a legacy that honors you, their children and their grandchildren. And that in this dark world, it screams. In the middle of every war on the family, there is a gift from God that shines brightly throughout generations. God's idea, a man and a woman that love each other as Christ loved the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.